passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. I can't believe that we're just six days away from WrestleMania! And the main event triple threat match is about to get even bigger when I add a fourth competitor, me! Oh, come on, guys. Can't you take an April Fool's joke? I mean, come on, I got you, like... When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock here along with Waiting and the real road to WrestleMania starts today, and the question will be, seven days from now, when I am saying these exact same words, will Way just be sick of John Pollock in seven days? We're going to find out. How are you, Way? Oh, come on. That's impossible. No way. Um, you, you, and I, you and I have uh, good times when we go on the road together and travel. I think you and I have a very good uh, rapport, a traveling rapport, which is... Uh, tantamount to uh us not killing each other definitely i would say that's very important i mean you know i think uh you know what our turning point was way it was one time i think it was in new york and you were you told me i think i'm gonna head off to uh this place and i said okay cool i'll i'll tag along and you just looked at me and were like no i'm gonna go on my own i was like oh i got it i got it oh that ever <laughs> happened come on Really? Oh, it was something to that. And I was like, I, I'm glad that we have uh, that understanding that when one of us has had too much of the other, it is, hey. I don't, think it, I don't think it happened like that. I probably sensed that you didn't really want to go. So I, I probably said, come on, you don't have to like go here to this thing if you don't want to. And you said, yeah, wait, I really don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't think I did really want to go. I felt obligated. So there you go. Nice break. You know what? Um. Tell me your opinion on this, because uh, okay. uh, my girlfriend recently, yesterday, was invited to a wedding, and so she's in the car with me. She's like, "Oh man, like I don't know if I should go to this thing or not." 
And I'm like, is she like a good friend of yours? She's like, yeah, kind of, you know, like I maybe I talked to her like a couple times a year. And then like I really asked her and she's like, you know, I asked, do you really want to go to this thing? And she's like, not really. So, you know, I, I said to her, she probably feels the same way. She probably feels just like, you know, I have to invite this person just because in, in, not inviting them would be offensive. And then that in turn makes you feel like you have to go, even though you really don't want to go because you feel like you would be offending the other person. So I guess um, I guess what I'm trying to say is let's not invite anybody. Should she feel guilty for saying no? She ended up making up an excuse. So uh, I'm, I, I don't have to go to that wedding either. Thank goodness. Uh, I've. I don't know. Not much of a wedding goer, especially if I don't really know the people. I had to go to a it wasn't a wedding, but it was a wedding reception on Saturday. Uh, It was my wife's uh, friends that got married and they just had this reception at this bar in Toronto. They like booked off like half of the the bar and it was a really fun time. It's like this is like none of the over the topness of a wedding uh, reception. It's just a. like drinks and food, and was it? It was, in, it was. Did you have to travel? No, it was the, like I had to get on the bus. It was, yeah, you didn't it was have like to go. A, it was a twenty-minute commute. It was right here in downtown Toronto. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, you didn't. Oh, have to it go was to, so. Uh, yeah, it you was didn't. Great. Have, you didn't have to go to Aurelia. Essentially, you were invited to a party, which is, I think, what what it really should be. It was pretty much. Do you want to go out for beers? Was essentially what this was. It was like this. This great. a lot of people can learn from. I do want to go out for beers. How was your weekend otherwise? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. I had a week where I just stayed home or a weekend where I just stayed home and like took care of home things, you know, <laughs> like vacuumed, which uh, I'm, I'm, All ha- weekend? I'm happy to do. Um, no, it wasn't just vacuuming, but it was just a bunch of various home things. What's your relaxing chore? I like washing dishes. I'm a big fan of it. I like washing dishes, although you have a dishwasher, don't you? I do, but I also we don't overuse it either. Uh, you know, you still, it's still uh, there's well, still some hand washing, and well, I find it very like relaxing. Well, they actually say like uh, using a dishwasher actually saves water, but um, well, thanks. You've you've taken one of the joys of my life and made me feel guilty about it. Thank oh, you. okay. Sorry about that, but. Uh, yeah, I like vacuuming. I like, I like organizing the dishes in the dishwasher to me. Like okay. I'm... Let's, let's move on to wrestling. Okay. Uh, we're, we're losing everybody in record speed as we move into vacuuming versus, uh, dishwashing. Um, so this week, big week, shall I go through our WrestleMania week schedule? Why not? Go. All right. Why not? Well, everybody brace yourself, buckle in. It's going to be quite the week. Tuesday night, Way and I are back with Rewind to SmackDown, the WWE's final episode before WrestleMania. I guess that's not true. They have 205 Live. They've got uh, NXT. They've got NXT UK. They've got the kickoff. They've got hours and hours before WrestleMania. But you get our point. We're going to chat about SmackDown on Tuesday night, followed by the double shot. Way and I will be back to discuss. What will we be discussing, Way? I guess it depends what you want to discuss right now. Uh, well, I do in the news. I think we should talk a little bit about the uh, the HBO piece tonight, but I would like to go into it more in depth on the double shot. Sure, we'll do that. Does that sound good. Last week tonight. And, yes, and I'm sure we'll chat about being the elite, where a uh, an alumni of ours 
gets a name drop. So that is all coming up on the double shot. Wednesday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience. Uh, Martin is away this week, I've been told. So it will be Benno and Will Cooling on Wednesday's show. Um, I'm sure they'll chat about the uh, Pete Dunn-Walter match that we'll be seeing at TakeOver this week and everything else that is going on uh, in the UK scene. Uh, Fight Club Pro has just announced uh, some big matches coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, including Will Ospreay versus Phoenix. Should be nuts. Uh, Thursday... I believe we are going to be getting a preview of TakeOver from Braden and Davey. They are figuring out what is happening. Uh, there will be a show on Thursday, so you can check that out. Uh, I got ahead of myself. Wednesday night, we are not doing the Cafe Hangout this week on Thursday. Instead, we're going to do a live show Wednesday night. Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we will be live, and we are going to be doing a preview of WrestleMania. Uh, we'll go through TakeOver and kind of the highlights of all the big events that are happening uh, we have an event schedule up on the site of all the shows that are happening in New York and New Jersey, all the matches. We're not going to go through everyone, but we'll uh, isolate the the ones that we're going to and some of the other things that are happening, including a huge match announcement for spring break on Friday night. Have you heard the latest match announcement? I think I have. I think you actually sent me a text message. No, no, no. I sent you one. Uh, yes. Uh, Brendan from Weedus is going to be in the clusterfuck. <laughs> but on Friday, on Friday, they have announced that the Invisible Man, he's back from the dead, and the Invisible Man is taking on Invisible Stan. Who's that? It is two invisible organisms that are going to have a match together. Who's... I cannot fathom what this audience is going to be like for this match involving two invisible people. Who's Invisible Stan? It's Invisible Man's opponent. Like a big fan of his? Uh, I guess so, yeah, maybe. The audience is just going to react. This is the perfect crowd to do something so stupid like this for, where they are going to react to nothing. You're literally going to get nothing over to this audience that's going to be chanting and doing God knows what in unison for nothing in the ring. It's going to be crazy. I'm, I'm, I, I thought this was the stupidest thing, and within about 30 seconds, I thought this is the most amazing thing that I would love to watch. Oh, I think that exact reaction is every every match that they're putting on uh, at spring break. They want to elicit a, wow, that sounds really dumb, but I still really want to watch it type of vibe. I, you know, for uh, for Wayne and I, we are going to be doing our our road diaries on every single day that we're in uh, New York. And those will be up for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So if you sign up, you are going to get a ton of shows coming up this weekend. And we're going to be going through all the shows we attend live. Uh, I don't know how much we'll be watching, but uh, next week's double shot, I'm treating as anything I can't get to this weekend that I really want to go out of my way to see. And I do want to see at least one of the spring break shows. So I'm sure there will be plenty to uh, discuss next week as well. Yeah, unfortunately, we won't be at either one live. Um Tickets just went way too fast, but hopefully we can have some time throughout the week to catch those. So, yes, Way and I will have uh, bonus shows Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and then uh, a free show Sunday right after WrestleMania with our post show. Braden and Davey will also have a takeover post show. That will be up Saturday morning, and who knows what else uh, we'll be dropping, but guaranteed uh, one bonus show per day. Uh, so you can sign up, postwrestlingcafe.com. Tons and tons of stuff uh, coming your way. So get ready. 
you're going to be hearing a lot from us over the next week. Yeah, and uh, as far as like uh, you know, our WrestleMania post show doing that on video, we're not really sure what our circumstances are going to be yet uh, after Mania. It's always a bit of a you know struggle to get out of the arena in time, but provided our internet is good enough to stream from in our hotel, we will try to provide video for that whenever we get back. Oh, okay. I already cushioned the blow when I was asked, saying no, probably not. But hey, maybe. Is that what you're saying? Maybe we'll do our best. Yeah. Okay, we'll see what the internet connection is like. I I am very leery of hotel internet, but we'll we'll find out. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a miracle when we get there, or we might uh, just be stuck in the parking lot like previous years. Uh, that too. Yes, last year's WrestleMania post show literally took place in a car mm-hmm. in the parking lot at the Louisiana Superdome. Yeah. Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, So that is all this week. Uh, And if you're already a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, then you know that every Monday you're in a draw to win a prize from Post Wrestling. What are our contestants awaiting as tonight's prize way? We are giving away a Post Wrestling t-shirt as well as our brand new stickers. And you know what? How about even a coffee sleeve as part of our Post Wrestling combo pack that's available Wow. On the store right now, store.postwrestling.com, or coincidentally, John, we have a sale, a WrestleMania sale. That means 25% off of all t-shirts, including the Post Wrestling Combo Pack. So uh, that is going on from now until the end of Sunday. So one week only, 25% off every t-shirt. Wow. Well, there you go. WrestleMania sale. Go to store.postwrestling.com. But Way has the gigantic tumbler. He is spinning all of the names and he is reaching in, going right to the bottom, and he has selected one name. He has removed the plastic. He is unfolding the piece of paper, and the name that is taking home a shirt, a sleeve, and a sticker is... Congratulations to Steve Souza. Steve Souza from New Bedford, Massachusetts. You win a post-wrestling combo pack, so... Uh, please be in contact with us. If we don't hear from you, I will try to get in contact with you. We should uh, mention Sunday. Uh, Way and I are doing a live show. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, we always keep forgetting uh, one of our most important things. But it is happening Sunday at noon, the Broadway Comedy Club. I'm sure if you are a listener of ours, you have heard about this show to, de- to death. So uh, final week. Uh, we will be... Live at noon, doing a Q&A. There's also a meet and greet that comes with your ticket. It's not anything extra. And you have two options. You can either show up at 11 a.m. or you can stick around after the Q&A, which will wrap up at 1.30 for a meet and greet. Uh, if you want to get a photo, if you just want to say hi, if you want to tell me that uh, I'm not a big fan of yours, that's cool too. Uh, all that comes with the meet and greet. We'll also have some very limited edition uh, post-wrestling WrestleMania-themed shirts that will be available, correct? That's right, yeah. We're only making about 50 of these exclusive t-shirts with a poster design from Robert Pearson, who does a number of our shirts and also uh, is one of our producers helping us put together this show locally from New York. So he's uh, uh, done a masterful job making this beautiful, beautiful poster. We're printing them on 50 t-shirts that we'll have on sale at the uh, venue as well. Robert's actually put together like a New York City travel and transit guide for people looking for uh, food options around the Broadway Comedy Club, as well as ways to get to and from the Broadway Comedy Club towards MetLife Stadium. So check all that stuff out at postwrestling.com slash live. This guy is just a, a gem. He's a machine. 
Yes. Uh, so we're hoping to see many of you there. Uh, tickets are $25. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you get a $5 discount, and then it's $20 for everything uh, that we just mentioned. So and, hope uh, to see many of you on Sunday. Yeah, we'll have some tickets uh, for sale at the door as well, but those will be $25. So no right. patron discount at the door. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We hope to see many of you there. All right, let's get into the news that is going on. Uh, this has just come out uh, right as we were uh, going to air. New Japan has put out a statement that uh, Michael Elgin has uh, finished up with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, it's a very brief one-sentence uh, statement that they put out uh, citing the expiration of his contract. So uh, we will try and get more details about that. But that was just coming out right as we were about to start uh, recording here. And... You know, it was certainly notable, um, his absence from the G1 Supercard, although I guess people could have assumed he might have landed in the Honor Rumble. But, I mean, there's definitely been a, a de-escalation of Michael Elgin over the past year. I would say, save for the G1, that I thought he did have a very good tournament last summer. Yeah, yeah, he had a good tournament, but really, like, there was zero follow-up uh, for him in particular. I mean, no real notable storylines over the past, like, I can't even remember. Honestly, um, as much as I think, you know, um, uh, his, his, his status in North America seems to have gone down. It always seemed like maybe new Japan was still willing to use him. Maybe that news didn't really carry over as much, but maybe it did. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, clear that he's, <laughs> I, I wonder where he goes from here. Because how how willing do you think companies are to book him right now? I mean, he he does do um, independent dates. I mean, he's been doing like destiny dates here out of Mississauga. He's been doing uh, dates in the Midwest in the U.S. Um, so I, I I do think he will get get booked. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was. I think it was 2016 in Dallas that. Like he was like the Iron Man of WrestleMania weekend. He did so many matches, and then last year he didn't have any. Uh, this year he didn't, and he was also not in a position where he really needed to be doing uh, that kind of a hustle um, when you did have your New Japan deal in place. Uh, but yeah, he has nothing scheduled this weekend in uh, New York or New Jersey, unless maybe he gets on a show at the last minute. I guess that's possible now that people know he's available. I can definitely see people. Uh, Bringing him in. Also, part of this news, uh, one of the young lions, uh, Teruaki Kanemitsu, who had suffered um, a cervical spine injury about two and a half years ago, uh, he has been out of action for that time and he has also left the company. So uh, that would seem to suggest that he is not pursuing a professional wrestling. And I don't know really the, the status of that injury that he had, uh, if that's preventing him, if it's his choice not to continue, uh, but they also included that in the news. So that's coming out of uh, New Japan. I wanted to just uh, kind of just get some of your thoughts, Way The HBO piece that uh, John Oliver did for uh, last week tonight that aired on Sunday, certainly that was a major, major topic on Monday. And as I said, we can go into it further in many, many issues that came out of it. But have you seen the segment and... What are some of your overall thoughts, uh, including the reaction today? Um, I, I watched the piece. Yep, I watched it. Um, I was actually surprised at how um, accessible it was, even for Canadians, because I believe it's on the HBO um, YouTube channel in the U.S., but not in Canada. But doesn't mean there's 
not other ways to find it. But um, oh, you know what drove me nuts is I, I PVR last week tonight every week, and Veep ran late and went like ten minutes late. So last week tonight starts and it cuts off after twenty minutes. So the last ten minutes I had to go find online, and it just drove me nuts. Oh wow. Yeah, you know what? Um, I think it was a. It felt like a uh, good Coles notes piece to catch the layman up to speed on perhaps something that uh, wrestling fans have kind of known about for a long, long time, and yet maybe you know at this point wrestling fans have just kind of grown accustomed to and you know we no one's at least from from what I hear lately not necessarily like no one's necessarily championing this cause. Uh, publicly for that much. So I would say uh, this piece certainly brings that issue back to light and maybe gives it a different perspective of how messed up it really is from, you know, uh, a non-wrestling fan's perspective because it is something we've, we've grown so used to. Um, it certainly wasn't without its fault. Uh, I thought maybe some of the uh, supporting material perhaps I found a little too convenient and maybe just... Uh, Dated, obviously, uh, you know, citing references from like 20 years ago. And mm, to me, it wasn't a completely sound argument, but I thought like the the main points it was trying to make seemed to be in good faith. I think that they were trying to do a lot. In, and it's not as though this was a quick segment. It was about 23 minutes. And the major things were essentially uh, painting this company and some of the, the content that they produce that... Um, I didn't really have an issue with them going so far back as they did. I didn't think the the crux of this segment was the material that they produce. Like when they're showing Trish Stratus barking like a dog, obviously it's that's a generation ago. They're not doing that kind of thing today. I think though, if we were to look at the past year, I'm certain you could find segments too that are offensive and tasteless, just not to the degree of, you know, some of the other ones. I thought that the main argument was trying to give get people up to speed on what this company has been able to build up to and then looking at the the classification of their talent as independent contractors. And that – I wish that there was more time spent on that that portion because I think that that is a very big issue. And I think that if you approach this piece uh, with an open mind and not kind of the defensive posture that some do have whenever there is a – mainstream outlet that is quote-unquote going after wrestling i i think that there's many wrestlers that quietly or maybe even not so quietly welcome such a major outlet shining a light on this um i i look at fighters in the ufc and i look at wrestlers in the wwe very similarly that you have these companies that are making record-setting profits at the moment and enjoying these enormous rights fees and your your talent is not entitled to any of that and I feel that like collective bargaining to me is something that would go a long way for, for many of these performers at the moment. And I don't think you can uh, go in with this and completely paint with a broad brush that the WWE is this evil company. I also don't think you can simply put on your blinders that the WWE puts smiles on everybody's faces and it's this fantasy world. It's It's far from it. It's somewhere in the middle. That's what makes any kind of company like this, a very complex one. And you're talking about last week tonight that were, the, to me, the most prominent outlet that covered the whole Saudi Arabia story last fall going into Crown Jewel as well. So I think it's a 
a staff of researchers and producers that were not coming into this completely cold on the WWE product that had done their their homework. And I thought it was a a better researched piece than we've seen from from other outlets that are just trying to learn what professional wrestling is. I thought they were I thought they did a better job than most of trying to kind of navigate this very strange minefield that is WWE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as far as the supporting material goes, I mean, if they do, if you do, like you said, you know, if over the past year there were clips and interviews that I felt uh, that you felt were more supportive of this, why not use those? Um, I think it's it, to me, I guess, as a wrestling fan, some of your arguments are a little defeated when it's from people like Brett talking in wrestling with shadows. And like something from over 20 years ago, the same Bret Hart that's going into their Hall of Fame this very weekend uh, again. And it's it's kind of small issues like that that I feel um, would like a casual fan or somebody who's not a wrestling fan wouldn't really bat an eye at. But I guess if you kind of know deeper, you I, I actually found myself being a little bit critical of it and therefore having its credibility affected overall, even if it, it, what it says is, is actually very justified. Yeah. I, I didn't find like the, the dated clips changed the overall tone of it for me. I did feel, cause watching it, I completely missed the line because they really glossed over it quickly. Like I did feel it was very unfair not to put an emphasis on the fact that they do offer rehab for all of these past and present performers. And it was only when it was pointed out to me that that line was included in there where, Oliver mentions that they do offer uh, treatment for people or for for past performers, uh, but also not addressing why they're having these addiction problems in the first place. So, you know, I, I think you, you do have to look at that. And that to me is kind of the, the juxtaposition of how the WWE presents things like there is no one is going to be able to convince me that they do not care about their performers and whether that is just simply um, – a moral obligation or simply a financial one that they are in a climate where you would be absolutely irresponsible as a company of that size to neglect your the, the health of your performers, of your athletes. And you, you look at how they treat concussions today versus 10 years ago. It's much different. And you can make that argument. But then you look at stuff they do, like booking Brock Lesnar to drill Randy Orton's head open. And these are kind of the, the contradictions that you have. And it's it's sort of like, well, you're serious about concussions until we need a really dramatic finish and we're going to compromise that or have Kevin Owens drill Vince McMahon in the head. And like, how serious are you about concussions when, you know, you, you do a lot of good? You're clearly pre- putting a lot of preventive measures in place, but then you, you have examples that contradict your own message that you're trying to send it, it, to people. Yeah, I mean, I think the discussion we're having right now is kind of different from, like, how um, that show really kind of laid it out. You know what I mean? I would say, like, that show maybe presents a, sometimes I would say, oversimplified version of what I consider to be a pretty complex discussion that needs to take place eventually from between the company and its and its employees. Um, you know, well, and, and at the end of this segment, like, do you feel like there was a lot of coverage of that of that story today from a lot of outlets that do not covered wwe too often Mm -hmm. that um is this something that you envision is just going to be a topic for 48 to 72 hours and you go into like a week from now is this really going to be anything that people are discussing in any significance 
Because ultimately, I think it comes down to the talent having to take action here. And I am not confident that we are going to see that happen. I'm not confident either, especially in regards to the WWE. Now, I think what's really interesting is is the fact that we we have something like an AEW that's forming, uh, it very much kind of answering to a lot of these criticisms. So I think you know how this might affect uh, you know the the motivations of a company like that. You might start to see more change if this in the public sphere is something that you know wrestlers and wrestling fans start to care about. You can see competitors start to perhaps address it uh, when the WWE might not. And that in turn might eventually force the WWE to address it. Yeah. So it's, it's something that I, I think we should certainly uh, just ourselves pay more attention to. And I, I would like to speak with people that have had kind of an experience uh, with associations, with unions and th- like trying to navigate that, which is not something where you're just snapping your fingers and the pros and cons of doing such a, um, of doing something like that. But I, I feel like at its core, you, you can look at the fact that, and I see it very much with, with UFC and with WWE, that these are companies that have complete control of their performers, of their fighters, and are able to make sweeping changes to their business model. And they don't have to worry about any negotiations with a union or considering your your players association when collectively bargaining. There's none of that. You can bring in a Reebok and eliminate sponsors. You can move from pay-per-view to the WWE network or ESPN plus and your fighters and wrestlers are not. It's all at the discretion of the promotion. If you are going to, if you're going to bonus these people, if you're going to be able to have like whatever you make, it's at your discretion, what you can pay out to your performers. And there's a long line of, aspiring wrestlers that would be more than happy to take the spots of those that that feel that they've been slighted and want to walk away and i just don't see a generation that seems all that willing to want to rock the boat and affect any kind of significant change like that Mm -hmm. so uh that is all on the hbo show maybe we will talk about it uh some more on the double shot on tuesday night uh brutus beefcake is going into the wwe hall of fame this kind of makes me want to go to this on Saturday night. Uh, sure. No, you think you could get an interview? Oh man, I was. Uh, I'm just hoping his speech is quick. I saw somebody tweet that to you. I saw a few people actually. Yeah. Yes, Brutus Beefcake uh, rounds out the class. The question is: Will Hulk Hogan be there with him on Saturday night? I think so. I think it's a definite yes. Or wait, are they on good terms or not though? I believe they are. Okay, yeah. I can see that they they mentioned I, they mentioned Hogan and, and Jimmy Hart doing some t- some some type of like uh, meet and greet on the show tonight. So, yeah, I would expect Hogan there, and I would expect Jimmy Hart there, whether it be for with, with uh, Brutus or just to maybe he's inducting the Hart Foundation, right? So uh, that is happening uh, once again. We mentioned that. All the updates for the WrestleMania shows, you can go up to our website. I've got a list of all the events, all of the matches. It is insane what is uh, going on uh, later this week. But you can get the uh, the full list of matches there. And that is it. Postwrestling.com for all your latest news. So we can now transition over to Raw from the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. And we start off with Stephanie McMahon coming up. And she announces that she is adding herself to the match Gets booed and says it's an April Fool's joke. Did you see uh, 
many stupid April Fool's jokes on on Monday way? Ah, uh, they were everywhere. Yeah, um, I hate this tradition. I just hate it. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, especially from, especially as a journalist, I'm sure you you really have. It's the worst. It. It's the I mean, worst. Honestly, it's not even like. I would say maybe what it's, bothers it's national. I'm lying day. It's I'm lying. I'm well, full of shit day. I would say what bothers me more is not the fact that it's tough to weave, you know, truth from fact. It's quite easy to tell what's real and what's what's a joke. But I would say sometimes the jokes just aren't very good, and maybe that's no. what offends me the most is people's attempts at. It's like everybody trying to be like doing dad humor, you know, on one day. You know, Starcast made a bunch of announcements today, and they had to. Reiterate that this is not an April Fool's joke. They announced uh, among the announcements today. Did you hear these ones? No. They announced Brutus Beefcake for Starcast, Chris Cyborg, wow, and and Kurt Angle. Wow, interesting. Okay. So yes, all announced for Starcast in May. They also announced Ted DiBiase and Psychosis, but I don't think those ones were. Uh, people were asking if that was an April Fool's joke. Yeah, April Fool's, guys. Brutus Beefcake isn't coming to StarCast. <laughs> so um, Stephanie then says, April Fool's, and announces that the women's title match at WrestleMania, all the titles are on the line, involving three of the WWE's greatest athletes who will put their bodies on the line and leave their hearts and souls in the ring. It's winner take all. And then she walks to the back as they tee up the uh, six-woman tag for later on tonight where Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda would be teaming up. So from what I understand is that the winner will have both titles, but this is not. they never said unification, and I don't believe this is a unification. And what that means for the second title that someone wins, um, maybe in time one of the titles will be vacated. Um, we'll see what they do with it. But I felt they had to do this. I didn't think that there was any way to make this um, like it would be very complicated if it became you pin this person, you get this title. If you pin that person, you get that title. And I just think that this is a much easier format than doing anything different. It also adds uh, an element of prestige to it with it being the first time that uh, a woman will hold both uh, brands titles. So I think, you know, the visual at the end of it, that everyone's expecting is yearly baby face Becky Lynch having his or having her Daniel Bryan moment holding both belts. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, doing it the other way around, you know, single pinfall uh, for each belt, I think, would have just been unnecessary and w- wouldn't have m- allowed for that visual at the end. And why? Like, I mean, it's like going to pin Becky, like almost like, why would you even do it? Like, what's to gain for the other? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, that is it. Winner take all. And then Stephanie exits, and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman walk out next. Lesnar is going to take it all from Seth Rollins, Heyman notes. Lesnar will seize the opportunity. He took Undertaker's streak. He took the hopes of Roman Reigns last year when everyone thought it was guaranteed Reigns would win. And Sunday, he said Rollins mentioned it could be the final match of his career, and he's going to make sure it is. Heyman says, for those that watch hockey for the fights, who watch NASCAR for the crashes, who watch football for the riots Lesnar is going to violate Seth Rollins and desecrate the good name of Wrestlemania and then he's going to go out for dinner and they're going to discuss what is next for Brock Lesnar's career and Rollins is simply an afterthought and this prompts Rollins to come out 
calls it the biggest match of his career, but it's also the biggest match of Lesnar's career. Nobody wants you here. And Lesnar starts laughing as the crowd is chanting, burn it down. Rollins says that he is the most decorated athlete in combat sports history, and beating him may be improbable, but not impossible. And as Lesnar leaves, he knocks into Rollins' shoulder, and then Rollins low-blows Lesnar. Lesnar comes back with a German, but the F5 gets stopped, and Rollins, I guess is a tribute to China going into the Hall of Fame, got down and gave the China low-blow to Brock Lesnar. Super kicked him, hit the stomp, and Rollins raised the title to end this segment. Yeah. He's got all the momentum heading into WrestleMania. Does he have too much momentum? Was this too telling way? I would say so. Yeah, for me. <laughs> I mean, uh, I thought it was a good segment. You know, uh, I, I think Rollins has been doing the best promo work of his entire run thus far. This is a very good promo from him. Yeah, he really does feel like a babyface the fans really want to see win. However, this year, he certainly feels overshadowed by two bigger babyfaces. The fans want to win even more. In Kofi and Becky. So of those three, I can certainly see him losing the most. And especially, uh, you know, this visual to end the segment lends some credence to that prediction. Afterwards, Charlie asked Rollins about the attack backstage. And he just noted that he's not a champion yet. And that was it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, how hot do you think this program is heading to Mania? Hmm. It doesn't feel red hot, but yeah. I feel it's um, – I think it's going to be a really good match, a very strong match from these two. I'll say like, you know, to me, like Brock really kind of feels cold this year, uh, maybe even yep. more so than previous years. And, you know, it, again, it's it's maybe – I mean, him against Reigns, I guess, wasn't really red hot either. But this year, he really does feel like an afterthought being in the third match from the top in many people's eyes. I think – you know, him obviously not being around for a long time has uh, an effect on it. But I, I, I go as far to, uh, to say even, I think, Paul Heyman's shtick, you know, the whole package to me at this point has become quite stale. And if he, even if he does retain, even if he keeps the belt until whatever, the Saudi Arabia show or whatever, I I just, I, I, I want to see some change. I want to see something different either with the act or just have him, you know, take a long break. Then we went to the eight-woman tag with Sasha Banks, Bailey, Natalia, and Beth Phoenix versus Nia Jax, Tamina, and the Iconics. And this was Beth's first match on Raw since 2012. And Bailey and Sasha were in with Billy Kay at the beginning. Then Natalia and Phoenix uh, were in as well. And it was a little shaky at times with Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, but then they got more into a bit of a rhythm here. Uh, Sasha and Bailey came in to save Beth, and it led to the women arguing on the babyface side. They came back from break. Bailey was knocked to the floor. Then Beth tags herself in, attacking Peyton Royce, hit a spinning power slam, and then Tamina pulls down the rope, and Beth falls to the floor. So Beth drives Tamina through the barricade, prompting the crowd to chant, You still got it. At Beth Phoenix, <laughs> who's not even the oldest person in this match. Tamina? Tamina. Tamina's 41. Beth is only 38. Mm. Wow. Which means Beth like walked away at a very young age. Yeah. Like, she was like 31, 32 when she pretty much stopped full time. Is that that unusual though for, for uh, the women's division? No. I mean, you, you do see many of them leave uh, younger, but I think that's going to change. I think you are going to see women competing for much longer now. Right. Yeah. 
I feel. Um, Royce just slaps uh, Beth and lifts her up, hits the glam slam, and wins in 11 minutes, 16 seconds. I thought Beth looked great here. I thought that she was the standout of the eight. Yeah, I mean, I thought the job did a great job reintroducing Beth to the audience by giving her the, the barricade spot, giving her the finish here. It made her look like a big attraction to come in this WrestleMania match. The rest, I, I almost felt like I got the comeback here in this match. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know how much time they're going to get at WrestleMania and what they have planned out for that. But yeah. I almost feel Beth just being one of uh, eight people in this match on on Sunday is almost underutilizing her. I think that she. Well, I've said it many times. I think she could have done something even bigger at Mania. She just seems to be phenomenal shape, and she looked great in this match. I think that's kind of the trade-off, especially with, like, a mid-card match at Mania. You know, you either get on Mania and only get about, like, five minutes to do your thing, or you get a longer match on Raw or a B pay-per-view. And do these four get this this amount of time at Mania? 11 minutes, 16 seconds. I, I'm going to say under on that. Uh, how much under? I'm not exactly sure, but I don't. I certainly don't see it going over 10 Batista arrived in this monstrosity of a vehicle. I mean, this thing just put a hole in the ozone layer, I think, between commercial breaks. Uh, they also had a new Snickers ad with The Miz doing a sit-down with Charlotte. And he had this board with buttons on it that said push. And when he hit the push button, it would woo. Thanks for doing, trying your best to describe it because I, I wouldn't have had any patience trying to sit through this thing, much less like talk about it. It was, it was really bad. Our, one of our theme songs for WrestleMania. It is, uh, it, I'm sure way has been listening to this all week long and he'll continue to love runs out by one Republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my shit. <laughs> There's also this song called work that they are using. And I'm just wondering which song is going to be bleeding in my brain more by Monday morning. I feel like I've avoided it this year. You know they what? haven't had that that horrific uh, green light, light kind of uh, earworm that they have in past years. So right. maybe this year, well, by 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 midway of the show on Sunday, you will be sick of these songs. Sure, wait till you get in town. And don't forget, they always do that deal on the the Raw and SmackDown after, where we're coming back from break, we get the the still images with the music blaring over it. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna get these songs next week too. Yeah, so so get ready. Batista walks out. Michael Cole notices his hometown. Batista doesn't say a word. He just points to the screen, and we get a video feature of past Batista and Hunter matches. Batista just looking um, literal Thanos in these uh, 2005 videos. We come back, and Batista, he looks into the camera, and he says, All you independent contractors, take a look at my SAG card. No. He (laughs) said... He just says, Hunter, kiss my ass, and he walks off. This is the best segment of this buildup. I No? Are you including the first week? Did you like the first week? Uh, the flair thing was good. You're right. Yeah. The flair thing was good. But other than that, I mean, I'm really trying to think, and I think you might be right. You know, this was, I think, the type of promo I thought Ronda was going to cut last week when she came out and just like, you know... Uh, one more thing, one more thing. Instead, uh, she she did that. But I I, I feel like, um, I, I understand because this is his hometown. But to me, this kind of just made him look more like a likable babyface than somebody who, you know, was also the guy who assaulted a senior citizen to start this feud. Don't you think? 
Yeah, and there's been nothing with Flair leading up to this. I think that was a big miss, not having Flair do a promo to Dave. and Like that big pa- – maybe Flair's not capable of doing like the big, passionate Flair promo, but I almost feel like he should have been used to, to play off the evolution past, and I, I think that was kind of a missed opportunity. To me, the attack was not really capitalized on very well, and I would say overall, tonally, I think they've been everywhere – on, with this program between Batista and Triple H. I mean, even Batista alone, you you go from a guy who started off assaulting a senior citizen in a very serious segment to like the the a couple of weeks later doing something that felt like it was intentionally trying to be a meme, a Spice Girls meme. And then the week after that, getting to the point where Triple H cuts this super stand-up comedy routine promo directly referencing the Spice Girls to this quiet, badass promo from The Heel, which... None of it to me really fits. And I, I, I got to say, you know, at the end of it all, I think the pr- promos in Batista's return have been quite disappointing. I agree. I I don't know what, like, I feel there's something to this. It just almost feels as though they were just on different pages. And for Batista that had, like, this was the program he's wanted for years and years and years. And... I don't know. It's like, here we are. It's it's WrestleMania on Sunday. And I just, I've never felt um, we've gotten like that passion out of either of these guys to take this program to the next level. It's like, we're doing this match and these are the segments that we have lined up and we're going to hit our lines. And mm-hmm. it just feels like a very patterned program that I, I don't know. It's, I, I'm hoping this is not going to be some, some 22 minute deal on Sunday. Oh, come on. I think it will be. They're at least going 20, don't you think? Even the Sting match went went pretty long, didn't it? Yep. This one could be heavily overbooked. And did they bring up at all tonight about... I'm sure they mentioned it once or twice, but it certainly wasn't hit over your head that this is Hunter's career on the line. (laughs) I don't know if they brought it up tonight. Uh, Maybe. I feel like in the... It certainly is not a, a point of the storyline. That's another thing that, to me, is just kind of like shoved under, under the rug. Oh, Ric Flair uh, might have been critically injured. Oh, by the way, uh, Triple H, this might be his last match. Uh, these are like things that are, I think are way too big to just kind of be ignored. And yet, I feel like a lot of that is not just a talking point at all in any of these th- this build. And, and I don't even... I'm not even arguing that, you know, to treat this show like it would be Hunter's last Raw when you're doing the Kurt Angle story, which people believe in, um, then that would have been too much. I, I agree. That's what I said when they added it. I was like, why are they even adding this? I don't think anybody in their right mind, not a prayer, anyone believes that Hunter is retiring. I think it just pretty much tells you what the finish is. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think the stip adds one iota of interest to this match. Mm. Then a graphic comes up. Kurt Angle's farewell to Monday night. He's deleting this night from his calendar after tonight. And this was kind of the tip-off. Uh, there was no mention of Rey Mysterio as his opponent any longer. Uh, but they were hanging out in the locker room. Kurt and his buddy. Ray just showed up tonight just to hang out with his pal. No explanation as, as to why he's on Raw. Um, no mention of the match they were supposed to have. So I guess he I I know that some people like to just, you know, when you'll see something about like plans changed and it just becomes like people laugh at it. Like what proof, what more proof do you need to some of like 
stuff that just changes on a whim. They promoted this match all week, and there was no explanation on this show for it not to happen. It just wasn't happening. Internally, do you know of any reason why they decided not to do this match? I, I didn't hear a reason. But, I mean, they were promoting this up until, like, Monday morning it was being promoted. So I feel it was the day of that they decided to change. They promoted it all weekend long. Um, it, I, and I'm not even disagreeing. I think what they did with the video was a million times better than what a match with Ray would have been. Well, they could have done both, couldn't they? And- I I made the mistake on Sunday night. Uh, WWE posted the... Uh, do you remember the three-way from WrestleMania 22 that we went to with uh, Kurt, Ray, and Randy Orton? Yeah. And I decided to watch this match. And I watched it, and I was thinking to myself, I do not want to see 50-year-old Kurt Angle taking on Rey Mysterio after I've just watched this. And mm-hmm. that's a match that, man, they got like nine minutes for their match. I think it was like cut from like 20 at the last minute. But it was, uh, man, the pace they worked at was out of this world. Yeah. But we are now uh, 13 years removed from that. So I think even if you watch like the Ronda match from last year, I feel like we were we saw more mobile Kurt Angle. And, you know, the fact that we didn't get this Rey Mysterio match here, like it, it leads one to wonder if, you know, they either Kurt's like really hurt uh, and, and maybe more so over the past several weeks or or something else is up and they just decided not to put this match on TV. So... You know, he was he did some physicality here, but it was not that much. It was all kind of based around some pretty no. simple spots. So it it, it certainly kind of makes you wonder like that, how much he'll be doing on Sunday. Oh, that's the match. I think that's match is three minutes on Sunday. They need to, you know, they might have to rely certainly on a, on a lot of bells and whistles. And um, we'll see what those bells and whistles are. I think that's going to be a really short match on Sunday. I don't think it needs to be too long. Elias was outside of MetLife Stadium. He said he's going to give the greatest performance of his life. And again, he said there better be no interruptions. Yeah, it just seems like this guy's just spending like the whole month in New York, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, he's he's made his way across the state line from since last Monday. He got there really early. Who's interrupting him, boy? Um, um, hmm. Who would fit? I think this should be the Cena spot. Really? Because I feel like with how much Corbin is playing up, how, you know, people online don't want him to be in that match. To me, like, that's a prime role for Cena, don't you think? I've been told that that's not the direction that they're going for that. I I don't know how you do, like, even if, if they were thinking that way. Like, are you saying Cena comes out and becomes the last opponent? Or Cena just comes out and helps him? Something involving that, but I feel like uh, if you wanted to get rid of Corbin quickly and have the final match actually be Kurt Angle versus John Cena, a lot of people would lose their shit. It's a, it's what everybody wants anyway, and I think it would be make for a great send-off. I don't think Kurt can do the match, and I think it would be so tough to do, and Angle beating Cena, I he just don't... have to beat him. He loses to Cena in his retirement match as opposed to... Just taps out Corbin and goes out with a win. I, I prefer the Corbin option, to be honest. Mm. Well, we will see on, on Sunday. Um, Apollo Crews versus Jinder Mahal with all the Battle Royal guys around. Boy, this was the best. This commentary. Renee said that the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is the way to kickstart your year. 
Look what it did for Baron Corbin. And Michael Cole says, Baron Corbin? What about the other winners? Like Cesaro, (laughs) Big Show, Mojo Rawley, and Matt Hardy. That I would love to quiz the audience and know how many people remember Matt Hardy won this thing last year. And how it kick-started him into this year's Battle Royal. This Battle Royal has been going on for this long. Dude, 2014 they started this thing. Oh it's th- This is like the fifth one. I feel like it's only been the third. Wow. Sixth. Sixth. 14, Amazing. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Six of these they've done. And it's done nothing for any of the winners. It's got yeah. every single one of them off television, it, with the exception of Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin is the one carrying the legacy of this thing. It, I mean, other than I would say Corbin, maybe even Raleigh to like a small level. There really was no rhyme or reason for choosing any of these winners. Like there were there, none of them were were geared up for any pushes. Again, outside of Baron Corbin, and again, slightly for Mojo Rawley. But beyond that, like they just seemed to pick people at random. Who do you, who do you see? Well, we'll save that all for our preview. Cruz hit the frog I splash. I have no prediction, John. And I don't think <laughs> it matters at all. Yeah. Well, uh, that would be Cole's Killian line Dane. In a uh, yeah, if he he's not been announced for maybe. Um, Cruz hits the splash at the top a minute 36 he beats Mahal everyone brawls Titus killed some dudes then he gets dumped over the top by the Singh brothers Michael Cole says this whole post match this all means nothing Graves argued no momentum is everything yep can't wait for this Angle is in the locker room with his buddy Rey Mysterio and then he comes out after the break the crowd is chanting thank you Kurt He's gotten this uh, this shirt for his farewell retirement that says, you suck on it. It says, you suck, and then thank you. <laughs> so, you suck, thank you. Um, you know what? Uh, free t-shirt to anyone who buys this shirt and takes a photo of it in public. I'd love to see that. Anyone daring enough to buy this Kurt Angle shirt. He says tonight is his last night on Raw, and he said, I'm praying it's a lot better than my last night on SmackDown last week. And he thanked them for the cheers and for the booze, and then they throw to this video package, and uh, we had just clips from all over the years, Austin, Flair, Orton, Cena, Big Show, Foley, Triple H. Uh, They showed segments of him playing the guitar with Vincent Steve Austin, uh, singing with Sensational Sherry, which was a... Great segment uh, before the Shawn Michaels match. Uh, comedy stuff with Edge, getting his, his neck injuries, that he left the company, returned at the Hall of Fame. And 24 hours after this same segment aired in a very different context on HBO, we got the milk truck segment. Huh, that's right, yes. And then we cut back. Kurt Angle is in tears. The crowd is cheering. Uh, I, I thought this video was great. I thought this was way better than any of the matches we have seen from him of late and... I, I I do not even fault them for not doing the Rey Mysterio match. I think we would have just been talking about how disappointing it was, how Kurt couldn't do much, and this video was at least, uh, to me, I, I think everyone loved this video. It was a great video, and I think what really made it was seeing Kurt's reaction afterwards. Very genuine, just, I mean, tears down his face. Uh, it really was, to me, that was very incredible to see. And then he said, I'll see you all at StarCast. <laughs> Baron Corbin interrupted. He said the video should have been in black and white because it's ancient history. The man in that video isn't the man in the ring. You struggle to take your jacket off. You can't go two to three minutes without huffing and puffing. And you can't hang with the stars of today. 
and he's sick of the comments that uh, from people online that Angle deserves a better opponent at WrestleMania, and the crowd starts chanting Cena. Um, so yeah, they're certainly playing into that. Um, I don't know. This promo, it to me, it was like, I don't know, just too close to reality. So much so that I, I, I don't see any result other than, you know, this actually being a swerve. Um, if this match... Oh, sorry, happens, I, I meant the part about Kurt being broken down. Um, oh, that. Oh, okay. Well, um, I mean, they are trying to base this on fact, I suppose. Yeah. Listen, as we've seen with this card, I mean, they can make... They, they they can change their mind at any point and do anything they want different. But the, the last I was told, it was just going to be Corbin and Angle. So if we hear anything different, we will alert you. But I, I think this should just be real quick. And Kurt gets the, the send-off moment. And I don't think it Corbin is an easily disposable heel for that particular is, role. Is it is a last-minute tag match out of the question? Especially, you know, it seems like with them taking out the Ray match, maybe they're realizing new things about Kurt Angle's physical limitations that they didn't when they announced this match initially. I mean, what, what, would you propose the tag match be Angle and Ray against Corbin and Joe? No, that's where I would put Cena. Oh, I see. Um, I mean, any anything's possible. Um, the fact that Angle didn't wrestle, maybe they are concerned. Um. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is the last I heard that was not the plan. But I again, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. So then Angle challenges him to an exhibition match tonight. And Corbin walks to the ring. Then he stops and says, Angle wouldn't make it to Sunday if I entered this ring. So Ray comes out to challenge Corbin. And then Corbin strikes Ray. Angle goes after him. And there's a seated senton onto Cor- Corbin followed by an Angle slam. And that would set up our main event of the show. Just for you, a the final segment on Raw before WrestleMania, a 13-minute Baron Corbin match. Yeah, can't wait. I've got my um, heart rate monitor strapped. Oh, Good I can't wait. Are you? Are you gonna? I think you should do the whole gimmick on Sunday for your rest, for if, especially if you're live in the the stadium way. We can monitor your heart rate for each match. That's the only uh, ratings I want from you. I guess it depends on on the hour. But uh, I would say WrestleMania is is typically not not very indicative, because again, I'm somebody who just like gets excited by by the crowd anyway. Charlie is with Charlotte in the back. She threatens to break Becky's leg and tap out Ronda Rousey tonight, uh, or sorry, at WrestleMania. Then the revival took on Aleister Black and Ricochet for the Raw tag titles. Uh, Dawson is pulling at the hair of Black. Ricochet tagged in. They cut off the ring. Went through a commercial break. Uh, they started working on Aleister Black's left arm, and eventually he escaped. Ricochet comes in, but he's nailed from the floor and hit with a gory special. Gets a two count. The audience is cheering him on. Black pulls Dawson off the apron with his one arm. They fight on the floor, and then Black delivers a big flying knee to Dawson, who rolls under the ring, and then is hit with a tornado DDT by Wilder. Ricochet dives over the corner onto both men, and Renee says... WrestleMania is about to look a bit different. And I was curious because none of these four are scheduled for matches yet for WrestleMania. Well, they did just put a uh, .com video up on their Twitter. Oh, is uh, it up now? Yeah. Do you want to listen to it live? Yes, let's. Because they were supposed to put up a video which sets up uh, the Revival's match for WrestleMania. All right. Here it is. Everybody. 
buddy. We still go to the Raw Tag. Congrats on the win, boys. Congrats. Must feel great to win by countout. <laughs> well, Broski, a win's a win, but... I guess you wouldn't know that. <laughs> oh, really funny. How about this Sunday at WrestleMania in our own backyard, New York? You guys put those tag team titles on the line against us. Oh, dude. I, so you want an opportunity at the absolute best tag team on this planet, the Raw Tag Team Champions at the grandest stage of them all. You want it. Aren't you on some kind of like losing streak 200 and 0? 269, but I mean, who's keeping track of that? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's so impressive. 269 losses, and you want an opportunity at the revival. I, I don't know what to say to that. I'll let you. You're the team captain. You know, I'll let you come up with You know answer. what? Look, we're successful champions, and we're mm. defending champions, and mm. we're, we're generous champions. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we'll take into consideration. All right? That's all we can tell No me. promises. No, no promises. promises. Okay? And but for now, until we make that decision, top guys, out. Okay. All right. So, I guess that's what you call a uh, ninety-second build to a match at WrestleMania. That is, yes, the quickest build uh, we have got for a match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, I mean, not officially confirmed, but uh, seems to be the direction, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. And that was posted on April second, not April first. Yes. <laughs> it's still April 1st somewhere. All right. So, um, yeah, the match ends when Ricochet is trying to beat the count to get back in, and Dawson holds onto his leg from the floor from underneath the ring. He's counted out, and they hit the Black Mass onto Wilder after the match. Ricochet rolls Dawson in, Black Mass, and 630. So, uh, Ricochet and uh, Aleister Black still stand tall at the end of this, and... They just did this match to pretty much pay off the the non-title matches that they had been leading up to, but this was not going to be the match for WrestleMania. I thought I thought the finish was kind of kind of clever if your goal was to keep Black and, and Ricochet strong, and I thought the match again was great. Again, I'm not sick of this pairing yet. I think these four are fantastic together. However, seeing you know this end result at, at WrestleMania, it really does bring to question why you would debut Black and Ricochet right now. Having them take up all that TV time, having them lose, uh, having the revival, you're taking champions, lose to them multiple times, all so that they don't get a spot at WrestleMania. What was the point? I think we'll probably have a better idea tomorrow night after SmackDown. I can, oh. I, yes, I would, okay. Understood. I can see them being involved in that SmackDown tag title match that is supposed to get set up on Tuesday night. Gotcha. From there, uh, we head off to Rhonda, who tells Charlie, I'm not in the mood to talk, and she proceeded to talk. She talked about the stipulation for Sunday. She said that it's Judgment Day on Sunday, unless Charlotte and Becky provoke her, and then it will be Judgment Day tonight. So once she got going, she had no problems uh, conversing with Charlie. Yeah. Alexa Bliss was backstage with Tyler Breeze and his new haircut, which she said makes him look like Chris Hemsworth, and EC3. She brags about the job she's doing and takes credit for everything. Breeze says that they are fashionable and funny. Referring to Michael Che and Colin Jost, EC3 laughed, and then Braun walked in asking, what are you laughing at? And he gets upset at these two guys off 
down the hallway watching Weekend Update on an iPad, and he calls them Michael and Colin and challenges them to meet him in the ring later. I don't know if they were watching Weekend Update, but I think they were. It was more EC3 and Tyler Breeze. Um, Stirring shit. Yeah, pretending that they weren't laughing at Weekend Update. It was those two guys over there. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, uh, not exactly a main event level push for Braun Strowman this year, I'll say. Dasha was with Roman Reigns backstage and asked if he's 100% for singles competition because there's been rumors that he's not. And he says, what rumors? From Drew himself, he says, it's straight from the source. I'm 100% cleared. And then Drew attacks him from behind, tells Roman he should have said no, and runs him into the equipment. Uh, But Roman was on his feet by the end of this. And I've got to say, for Roman Reigns' final uh, angle before WrestleMania, this was kind of, this was it. This was very brief. A little underwhelming, yeah. I mean, this was all this this program had on this show, on the go-home show. So... I guess there's only so many attacks you can do, but that's pretty much what you got here. Um, you know, I've, I I felt that this show was really crammed with a lot, but, you know, Roman doing that promo that I was never even thinking I'd be at this WrestleMania or just, uh, you know, just doing a kind of babyface promo, I think could have worked a bit better on this show than just doing yet another attack by Drew. But absolutely, anyway, th- there was a lot crammed into this show. So it just seems oh, like it- these two were kind of uh, victims of time, if anything. You, you're telling me you couldn't have sacrificed a Baron Corbin versus Rey Mysterio match in the main event for a Roman no, you need promo? you needed Jinder and Apollo Cruz, oh, and you God. needed heavy machinery to defeat Gable and Rude. Like you needed all these things. No, but you're absolutely right. I think like it's it's really understated the fact that this is Roman's big return to WrestleMania. It's his first singles match back, or is it? Has he had a singles match on Raw? No, because they were building up to that match, and that's when they did the attack by Drew. They didn't okay. do the singles match. So, you know, I think all of these things are, are, are like real-life, you know, big, interesting talking points that, again, I feel are, are quite understated in this go-home show. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but at the end of this show, it just felt they were pushing so many matches on this show, and this didn't even include the SmackDown It's not just things. me. There are 17 matches on this card. Yeah, it's it's a long one. Charlie was with Becky Lynch. She said she'll walk out as the double champion and call Charlotte a wooden dope and Ronda a weirdo. She's triggered Ronda's God complex. And she is, she's being forced to team with them tonight. And they're hoping that she snaps and costs herself a main event slot. But she is wise to their game and is not going to fall for it. So, yeah. She, she mentioned how um, when Ronda feels most untouchable, she's the most defeatable. And I kind of sense that as a, a reference to her MMA career when she was on top and then crumbled. Yeah, so, she was heavily favored against Holly Holm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I really like a line like that, uh, referencing her past. Rousey, Charlotte, and Becky versus the Riot Squad. Uh, Becky mocked Charlotte's strut and then challenged Charlotte to hit her. But Charlotte wouldn't fall for it. Logan got the inverted cloverleaf onto Becky, and they cut to Rhonda and Charlotte, who don't care at all. They're just watching her. Rhonda's yelling at Becky. And then Rhonda tags herself in, just throws Morgan, and taps her out, just like that. And that means the match is over, and therefore Rhonda can attack Charlotte. Becky gets involved. All three are fighting. Security runs in. Michael Cole is so excited, he yells in. He yells that security is trying to separate these three men these three women and then the police run out way that's how serious it is 
They handcuffed Rousey. Becky attacks her while she's handcuffed. So Becky gets handcuffed. Charlotte's watching all of this. So then she attacks Rousey. She gets handcuffed as well. And she's able to kick Becky with her hands tied behind her back. Michael Cole is yelling. The main event of WrestleMania is in handcuffs. I could just picture Vince standing and just screaming this line over and over with a vein down his forehead as Michael Cole said it over and over. Rhonda, if you catch it, is yelling at the cops, we pay your salary. (laughs) And they're taken to the back. They're still fighting. These idiot cops, they put Becky and Rhonda into the same back of the same back seat of the one of the squad cars. So they start kicking at each other while handcuffed. Rhonda ends up kicking the window through. Charlotte gets out of another car. The camera cuts here probably left way in a coma by the end of it. I don't know what your heart rate would have been. Rhonda starts driving one of the cars with her feet and knocks into one car into the next. And then with her head out, <laughs> dude, this was turning into police academy. How Charlotte did, how, knees Rhonda through the window. And how, how did Rhonda change gears? Put the car in drive. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe it was a. Uh, maybe she, maybe it was automatic. I don't know. Was um, it Tesla. <laughs> maybe it was voice activation. Um, that yeah, this was. Um, it, it was wild. Know, I, it, it seemed like people in the audience were into it. Um, but it th- was, this was not the go home segment I envisioned uh, from these three. Certainly not. No. Uh, I don't know if I've seen a go-home segment that ended in a handcuff-kicking fight. Yes. It was very odd for a backstage brawl. At the same time, I would, I, I guess I would classify it as memorable, you know? It felt like they took everything from the Austin playbook and then... John like, Oliver will totally use this if he does a follow-up in a week or two. Handcuff fight? Yeah, Maybe. This this is one of those segments that I think will have long-lasting replay value. Yeah, I felt like it was all being taken from the Steve Austin playbook, but rather than, you know, having an Austin versus McMahon, you kind of had three Steve Austins and everybody like by the end, I would say it kind of felt more uh, slapstick than maybe something serious for a WrestleMania main event. But, um, you know, the crowd was very hard. I don't, I don't think you can deny that. Um, so the best part of this, this was my highlight of Raw. They come back, they recap this. And they announce that they've been arrested. And then they have to plug that tomorrow morning, Rhonda will be on the Today Show at 9 a.m. But we don't know what her legal situation is. The fact they had to follow that segment with this plug was the best part of this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was it – um? did they say tomorrow on, on the Today Show? Dude, they said tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Oh, wow. Okay, well, they're going to have to uh, work hard at negotiating her bail. Maybe NBC could put it up. Yeah. This is certainly one one program that I think ultimately people are going to remember Sunday's match. And I think we are going to forget, we're going to forget the the two months of lead up, some of which has been very, very good. And others where it just feels that, man, you have got uh, nine weeks to promote a match and they don't need nine weeks. I think it would. I think it's Thursday for the Today Show. So. She might have plenty of time. Oh, okay. Well, then they planned accordingly. Yeah. I think anytime you have <laughs> vehicular homicide involved in a WrestleMania go-home angle, it's... Wait, they, they didn't kill anyone, did they? Well, she was attempting to, wasn't she? Attempted, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so attempted vehicular homicide. It's never really a good thing. But, I mean, whatever. Like, like we've seen with so many other builds in the past, like, this will all be forgotten in history. This segment will not be forgotten in history. Yeah, you're right. Thursday. So she has plenty of time to, to post bail and get out. Unless, unless maybe her bond is not set. We, I mean, yeah, I would get Travis on the phone right now. <laughs> yes. Post. Did, uh, did you see her April Fool's video? Uh, with the saxophone? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get through the video. I gave up when Samoa Joe was talking about the saxophone. <laughs> so they're gone. Following that is heavy machinery against Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. Why? I don't know. But it ended where Otis stopped their finisher, caught Gable, hit the compactor, and Otis pinned Gable in three minutes. And Lacey Evans walked out midway through this. Um, that was probably the entire point of this match was to have four nobodies so Lacey Evans can interrupt them. And no announcement about Lacey Evans in the Battle Royal or anything. Just just came out like her usual deal. I expect her to, to have some type of, you know, same thing, cameo appearance at Mania. Except this time the uh, walk will be really long, perhaps. Um, I, I think thought- she should win the Battle Royal. I think she should come out and she wins it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Why not? I mean, what's, 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 this has been like three months since the Rumble when she had her appearance at the Rumble that they've been doing this gimmick. Like, what's the payoff here? You tell Either, me. You got, you got to do something with her at some point. Uh, yeah, sure. I guess. But, uh, I don't, I don't know how, how big of a reaction that would be met with because I thought this match was totally dead. And I think even Lacey Evans, for as much as they've kind of put into her with all these entrances, has been totally forgettable. Uh, she is. She's the last one standing of those call ups. Well, I don't know. the I rest mean, are all dead. Yeah, heavy, heavy machinery. Oh, you mean like yep. as far as like who 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 is going to get a serious push? Yeah, I just think they're all maybe nothing at this point. They ran a feature on Brian and Kofi Kingston, and then an update on the women. They've been transported to a local precinct. They have been read their rights, and they will be booked. Braun Strowman beat up the geeks um, who I they had gear. One of the guys had like boots and trunks. Who were yeah. these guys? Like they weren't presented as like indie guys backstage. They were just like these two geeks that are like workers back or like employees. All employees have ring gear, I guess. I guess everybody working for the WWE needs to be in full gear underneath their real clothes. Uh, this was throwback Braun, just killing two guys. Sh- shoulder tackles on the floor. He lifted both up for a double power slam and won this match in three minutes. Uh, they were never identified other than Michael and Colin. They basically found a black guy and a white guy to like for Braun Strowman to play, uh, pretend are Colin Jost and Michael Che. Yep. With the idea that he can do this to the real celebrities in the Battle Royal. They ran through WrestleMania week. Uh, the only thing notable here is that Corey Graves and Renee Young are hosting the Hall of Fame. And the second hour of the kickoff will air on the USA Network. But uh, even when they were running through the card, I don't think they labeled what was going to be on the pre-show. Did they? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. I think some things you can expect. But I, I wonder if they finalized their version of the card yet. 
Yes. Uh, and how late they are going to decide to go at MetLife Stadium. Will we be out of there by 1 a.m.? I think you crammed the kickoff with matches, you know, this year. Like, what other choice do you really have? Going long. Yeah. They're, they don't have to cap this event at any length. Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush are out with Charlie in the ring. They recapped last week's win by Balor in the handicap match. Rush blamed Jinder Mahal, calling him dead weight. He's only concerned about the after party. He insulted DC. Uh, not Daniel Cormier, but the Washington DC. And Charlie then asks about the rumor that the demon is showing up. It's like, what rumor? The one that Way has been talking about on the podcast. That I it only makes. It. It only makes sense for this match to have the demon because why else would you book this match? Lashley is not scared about some Irish fairy tale. Finn Balor and the demon are the same person. So Balor appears on the screen and he says he's always had demons. And I thought that he was joining the Rascals because this turned into like their their scene on Impact every week where smoke filled up the screen. And then he morphed on the screen into the demon and he had to stare into the camera for a long time, accentuated by the length that Lashley had to look upset after this. He had to stare at the screen while they teed up tonight's main event with the graphic, and Lashley had to maintain this look on his face. Yeah, not only that, it wasn't just a stare from Balor. It was the stare plus... His teeth. No, 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 no. He stuck his tongue out. Yes, like the, the Bud- came out too. Like the Budweiser commercial. Like the What's Up commercial. It was a demon doing What's Up. And um, I mean, I can only imagine, I guess the tongue thing is like something he does once in a while, but it's also painted on his chest. I get it. The Venom thing, sure. But to see him do it on the Titantron like this with his regular human-sized tongue looked really goofy to me. Um, anyway, so we are getting the demon. Yeah, and I kind of, I'm thinking if you're going to do this, like there is not one extra subscription coming out of this segment for Sunday. Why don't you just like, you know, tease it, tease it so everyone's like expecting it, but not sure. Because to me, it's like, that's the, that's the pop is the surprise when the lights go out and that's the entrance and you don't know what's happening. I think you've almost like you, you kind of cut off part of the surprise here. I think so too. I agree. Um, you know, it's different from something like announcing the woman as the main event because I feel like there's so much uh, publicity to, to be gained from an announcement definitely, like that. Definitely. But this is not that, you know, as somebody, like you said, you know, this is not adding or taking away any buys. Uh, and in fact, to me, took a little anticipation away from it, especially seeing the demon do a Budweiser ad uh, <laughs> from the year 2000. So, you know, for I have to say, like, for as protective as they've been with this demon gimmick, they did not exactly save it for a great story here. And again, I, I feel like this is the right call. Like, you should do it at Mania because who knows how many more opportunities he might have in his future. But I guess I just hope for a better story and a better reveal than this. A hundred percent. Like, all it had to be was Balor on the screen saying, I'm going to go or I'm, I'm not afraid to go to a dark place to meet you or just just a little wink to the camera. and. Everyone knows what he means, but you're not giving it away, especially the visual of it as well. So um, we got a stick, Snickers ad reminding us of when Rob Gronkowski uh, showed up at WrestleMania 33 attacking Jinder Mahal. I'm sure to fuel speculation. And then our main event, 
Rey Mysterio versus Baron Corbin. Greg Hamilton listed off all of Corbin's achievements and called him Washington's favorite son. He's actually from Kansas. Ray delivered this Rana that sent Corbin to the floor, and then the dive got stopped with a punch. They went through the commercial. Ray's ankle got worked over. He was pressed in the air, dropped onto his chest, and then Ray was running to the post on the floor. Corbin's playing to the crowd. Ray moves to a sleeper, then a springboard, and into a tilt-a-whirl DDT. Hits the 619, but misses a splash off the top. Corbin then catches Ray coming off the ropes and hits him with the deep six. And Baron Corbin pins Ray Mysterio in 13 minutes and 40 seconds. 65 beats per minute. Oh, my gosh. Rate. Yeah. I would say it's within normal range, but actually maybe even a little higher for me simply because uh, I had a coffee. And I attribute that to Ray Mysterio as well, being a part of this match. So I am a normal person this week. Um, but the match I thought was very flat. It ended raw on a, the go home raw before WrestleMania on a very flat note. Um, I, I don't think it needed to occur. Number one, cause Darren Corbin simply like has no more reason to gain heat before going into the match with angle. He's already facing somebody who we're led to believe is like a senior citizen who shouldn't be wrestling anymore. So he already has all the advantage he needs. Um, secondly, Rey Mysterio should not be doing jobs ahead of his U.S. title match against Samoa Joe on Sunday. That has been the most forgotten match on this card, I feel. Joe appeared on Raw last week. There is no mention of that match. And this week, Rey appears on Raw. No Dude, mention of what, that match. what happened either. with Joe last week? He lost, the, the champion lost to Kurt Angle last week. Like, it's, yeah. Joe and Mysterio is a nothing match on Sunday. Nothing mm. match. And, and I think that, you know, you can argue like the chicken or the egg, but I think that's why he was put in this position. They they look at it as a nothing match and we want to have Corbin beat someone with at least some some no some name value, but also someone that is of no consequence on this card. And sadly, that's what I feel Ray is viewed at on this show, which is unfortunate given that this guy was tearing it up this year. Um, well, let's that, remember that even if, if, you know, plans didn't change and he did that match with Angle, he was very likely losing to Kurt Angle. I think match. this is clear that he was losing that match. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I get the thinking that everyone feels it's a foregone conclusion that Kurt's winning and they just have Baron beat someone. But, yeah, I think it's just really unfortunate that um, Ray just felt like such an afterthought here. But, you know, it's it's no secret. Corbin and Angle is certainly the, the superior match that they are promoting on Sunday. Corbin's walking up the ramp and then he gets attacked by Kurt who applies the ankle lock, and Baron's tapping on the ramp. I almost feel like if, if you're going to go to this extent beating Ray to build up that heat, um, do the big pop on Sunday. Like, that's what the, t- the TV should build up the heat, and you get the big moment on Sunday. And I, I just thought that I, I didn't feel we had to go go off the air with this happy moment for Kurt. I suppose because they didn't, they simply didn't have a better ending to close this show. And to just end on Kurt Ang- or Baron Corbin's arm being raised above Rey Mysterio, maybe mm-hmm. they felt was not a good enough ending. Well, after the cameras w- stopped rolling, Dean Ambrose came out and attacked Baron Corbin. And apparently from one person who was there live, he kind of gave like a like a bow or something to the audience. So that was Dean Ambrose's involvement on the show. Kind of, to me, felt like a, a funnel. Well, that sounds like it was a final appearance for him. Um, I got vibes, uh, that it was the final appearance perhaps from Batista as well. Like he's, uh, but it was also his hometown. So maybe he was maybe saying goodbye to like wrestling in his hometown. Um, yep. and Kurt Angle. 
Yeah, and I'll be curious if Kurt or Batista are on next week's show the night after. I mean, well, maybe said, you could Kurt do... Kurt said it was his last Raw appearance. Now, whether he meant in ring... Well, last week he said he was facing Rey Mysterio, so these <laughs> things are not binding by any stretch. Um, if If you want to have Kurt do his farewell speech next week, you could do that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. As a go-home show, I, I thought this Raw was rather weak, you know. Um, to me, rather than kind of feeling like any type of uh, crescendo... It felt pretty much on par with previous editions of Raw, maybe in some cases even a little bit lower. So coming out of it, I'm not really more or less excited for any of the matches. In some ways, I'm even actually less excited for something like Angle versus Corbin or even Joe versus Ray. Yeah, I, you know, I just thought this this show was they had to push so much on this show. Like this is too big of a card. Even you're talking about a three-hour Raw, um, and it just felt like there was so much that you're pushing. And, yeah, I just feel this is this is way too long of a card. And, you know, we, we can argue about, you know, some of the programs that it just felt like there's been so much television time to push um, these programs. And others where it just feels like there's – the volume is just – I think it's really hard to kind of sink your teeth into a lot of these programs just because of – the the daunting number of programs you're trying to get across and personal issues for 16, 17 matches. There was a lot of them, you know, but um, the ones that matter most, I feel, came across pretty, are in decent shape. I think, the, to me, the main takeaway coming out of the show was the announcement of the SmackDown belt uh, also being up for grabs in that main event. I think that adds prestige to that main event. Um, police and car angle, I feel like I could have, Kind of done without. Um, I also found it odd leaving your main event, like, being in doubt uh, for your go-home show, you know, at the end of the show. Oh, right, that they were they were arrested? Well, I think that's just there. Nobody buys it. Exactly. That's the thing when you don't have uh, anyone concerned about steps or anything like that. And they, they sent you to WWE.com to follow them. It's like the, uh, the Domino's tracker. You can find out when they're out of prison and... When they arrive in New York. Right. All right. Let's head on over to the forum. forum Forum.postwrestling.com. Tonight's show, Way, did it get a five from you? I would say maybe five, five point five. I are closer to five. Five point three two from the forum tonight. MJ writes, that was all I needed from Batista. Great video package, long entrance, and a one-liner. This was so much better than a long promo and got me excited for this match. I don't understand the booking if the tag division. I don't understand the booking of the tag division across all three brands. Does winning the Dusty Classic rank higher than winning the Raw tag titles? Whatever. All you need to know about the tag division is the Raw champions' rights feature a hashtag started on BTE. Imagine that. Does Roman really need a heatless match on a 15-plus match show? Nobody taps out better, quicker, and better than Liv Morgan. Underrated skill for a jobber. Charlotte killed a security guard with a, a boot. Then they overkilled this main event with the best of the Austin era booking. Mm-hmm. I think he meant uh, tights for the revival with the uh, FTR hashtag on the oh. tights. We got a Paul from New Jersey who says it was a solid go home show. Once again, I thought Beth Phoenix looked spectacular. The Iconics made that segment. I hope they take the titles on Sunday. I get such a kick out of the two of them. Is Baron Corbin getting better or is it because he's not on television as much as when he was general manager? I'm not really bothered by him as much as I used to be. I feel like he's improving. I look forward to seeing you gentlemen this Sunday. P.S. Did Renee call Tamina the Samoan Slaughterhouse? 
I missed that line. She might have called her that. Isn't that their team name? Unofficially? The Samoan Slaughterhouse? The yeah, two of them? I feel like I've heard that. Oh. I, I don't recognize the name. They may have called them that in passing. Jalen from Pickering. Brian Mann put it best when he said the main event was the best and worst book thing. The segment was great, felt intense, and made me laugh. But arresting your main event on the go-home show doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't give time to follow up, build off the arrest. The un- There's not one person who doesn't believe that match is happening on, on Sunday. So I, I'm not too concerned with that. The underbooking of the Universal title match is a perfect contrast. Three months, and they've interacted with, you, with each other three times. The best part of WrestleMania nowadays are the entrances set and seeing baffling booking. Can't wait for Seth to lose on the seventh F5. I think my complaint, and maybe J- what Jaylee means too, is not the fact that they left you with the tease and, and me think, wondering if that match was going to happen, but is that the best use of your go-home segment? Rather than, you know... Maybe a great video or maybe a great sit-down series of promos talking about everything leading up to the culmination of, of this whole build that started way back, like, in, in October, November. Oh, uh, we're, we're having two totally different conversations uh, if we're talking about, you know, people believing this match is happening versus what would have been the better uh, use of them tonight. Like, this historic main event, the first time the women are headlining, what this means, what the past uh, four years of this development have meant um everything um that's kind of what i was expecting this to be presented as this this sports-like um presentation uh, and history making match that is happening on sunday not playing bumper cars and <laughs> kicking people in the head and driving with your feet um that was not what i was expecting this feels more like a week one or week two you know type of angle on the go home but Again, like we're at the point now where it doesn't really matter. I would say like, you know, they made the big announcement last week and I think the the mainstream attention will will elevate it even uh if Raw did it. Yeah. Hogan and Andre did this the week out, didn't they with uh golf carts? <laughs> no. Uh no, you're thinking of Cobo Hall and the Giant. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Jay you from imagine, you you brought up something way worse. Oh. Jay from Colorado, not a bad go-home edition of Raw. Beth Phoenix looked amazing. We got the exact amount of Batista we needed, and we got the Iconics on Raw. But I really enjoyed the women's championship segment. That look Becky and Ronda made at each other when they were both out in the same police car will be, dare I say, iconic in this feud. <laughs> that was really fantastic. And Even though I was anti this thing being a three-way, I'm sold on it right now. Question, who do you think will win the Andre Battle Royal, and why will it be John Oliver? Tune into our preview show Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Brandon from New Jersey. This is his go-home feedback. My dearest independent contractors, it is I, your loyal seaweed. How are you? Been a while. Like Angle, I've been conserving my energy for Sunday. Five days away, be there, Broadway Comedy Club. Aloha. Anywho, been a minute since we spoke. And man, this go-home show at the home of... At the home of some disappointing Starcades, had me wanting to go home. Dug the women's segment. Them thoughts were wilding. And DC Batista, but other than that, meh. That's exactly how it's written. Meanderings. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going here, way. Yeah. I will, will this I'll last. Ask Braden if you want to know what that means. Okay. Will this last week tonight blip be forgotten, or will it ramp up more interest from other media outlets? Same with the UFC and paying Justin Gaethje $4,000 this past Saturday. I got nothing. 
We'll see you Sunday. I'm out of here. Peace. Chris from Florida. A terrible go-home show for Mania. When this ended, I thought this was a bad April Fool's joke. We had a terrible rehash of an Austin area angle with the three women in your main event at Mania getting arrested. It made the match look like a joke. The one saving grace is that Becky is still so hot that it's not going to hurt the match very much. We also had Ray losing clean to Baron Corbin in a very solid match between the Revival and Black and Ricochet and in a stupid countout. Lastly, we had a very poor decision to, to telegraph the demon's appearance and have Finn making stupid phases in his demon persona. Way to kill, way to kill the mystique. Chris from Queensland. Sadly, this women's main event should have been such simple booking from the Rumble to WrestleMania. Instead, I can only describe their road to WrestleMania as the equivalent of leaving the highway, picking up a hitchhiker, having their sat nat die, and wandering town to town lost. And then all fight. Okay, this analogy has lost me. And what about Asuka? This time last week, we were wondering who she would face out of Naomi, Carmella, Sonya Deville, and Mandy Rose. Well, little did we know, it would be all of them, except it would be in the Women's Battle Royal. Question. Currently, we are at 14 matches total, but what are their plans for either the Raw or SmackDown tag champions to defend on the show? Did you watch last week tonight with John Oliver? Yes, he did cover WWE this week. Uh, So... The Raw match is going to be the Revival against Hawkins and Ryder. SmackDown tag title match will be made on Tuesday, and it's supposed to be a multi-team match. So we'll be able to talk about that match Tuesday night. I think a sat-nat is what some people call a GPS. Oh, okay. Well, this is the lost in translation portion of the show between Australia and Canada. Yeah. Cash from Ajax. I watched this show with my wife for the first time ever. She is nine months pregnant. And was too tired to fight me for the remote. Her analysis of the show was far more <laughs> enjoyable than anything on this edition of Raw. A few highlights. This woman, Steph, <laughs> is wearing the weirdest looking jeans. I agreed. If you're listening to One Republic to get pumped for a fight, you're probably <laughs> going to lose. Very true. Is anyone constantly being filmed throughout this show? Or is everyone constantly being filmed throughout this show? This was asked during the Ray and Angle convo before commercial break. I've always wondered this myself. Yes. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? If they just had yeah, cameramen. There's at- always a camera on you. Yeah, that, that would be actually a, a decent explanation. She constantly LOL'd throughout the entire police brawl segment. I thought it would come sooner in the show, but this is the segment when she asked why I watched this stuff. I had no answer. On a serious note, this will be the first time since WrestleMania 16 my group of friends, friends won't be getting together to watch the show. Not because of the poor build, but because of the length of the show. It will be impossible for any of us to watch this in one sitting. However, we will be getting together for TakeOver. All right, that's all the feedback. Thank you to those of you that posted some, including Brandon from New Jersey, who I look forward to seeing on Sunday. Yeah, me too. All right, well, that is our Go Home Raw which means uh, nothing because we're back tomorrow night for another show right after SmackDown, plus the double shot. Uh, it's a big week ahead here at postwrestling.com. We hope you uh, join us for our many shows to come uh, throughout the week. And, Way, uh, I look forward to all the stuff that we're going to be covering this week. I look forward to it as well. I look forward to, um, again, meeting a number of our listeners and uh, various people in the wrestling industry who all gather at this one spot one time a year. Um, please make it out. All right. That's it. Goodbye.